0: Damaged Goods Podcast. You gotta come get me now. Right now. Come on, I need you. I need you to come get me right now. I can't do this. That's Skip. That's Skip's voice. My father. Seven twenty-three in the AM. I know because I've been up for about an hour and a half already anticipating calls like this. He's in the hospital in La Paz, the capital city. Of, of Baja Mexico, that peninsula. If you haven't been listening to the last podcast, or or you're just jumping in now, he's in there with cancer, liver cancer. He went underwent a uh, very dangerous emergency surgery. He was lucky to survive that. Thank God he did. Mt Coffee Guy, Mt Coffee Guy, what up? You got to get me out of here, man. Come on, I can't be here. They just took my vital signs. All the vital signs are good. You, the doctor said I could leave. Whoa, well, skip, skip. I talked to the doctor last night. He told me to call him at noon today, and he was gonna tell me when it's okay to take you out of the hospital. You gotta get me out of here. No, they, they they take my button away. They don't help. Jake, Jake. I I I asked for food hours ago and I haven't brought it. I need to get walked. I should be getting walked three times a day. They haven't walked me since yesterday morning. Twenty four hours, you gotta get me out. He's screaming like he's in prison. And I've been in this hospital shit. I've been in this motherfucking hospital. What up, Geneva? It's my stepsister. What's it, Zebra? I've been in this hospital about 11 days, You know, maybe a day or two off. It's a it's a private hospital in La Paz, but it's still a hospital, and there's still a fucking pandemic. So you go there, it's fucking terrifying. Like I said, you mask up, you glove up, and you pray to all the staff is, and they, all the staff ain't. All the visitors and patients ain't. But my pops is in there, and he's freaking out. Now, I speak Spanish. My girl, she's Latina. It's her first language. Skip, don't speak Spanish. He barely speaks English. <laughs> So he has a language barrier problem. And there's a couple of staff in there that do, his doctor and two nurses. But they, they're they understaffed in this hospital, as is prior to the pandemic. So he don't get the treatment he wants all the time. And it's hard for him. He's freaking out. The levels, my levels are fine. They just tested him. You got to get me. Whoa, 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 Skip. I got to talk to the doctor first. I got I to gotta get his approval to take you out of there. Because I need to know what's really going on. You got a man under dr- uh, influence of these the drugs. I mean, he's on harder drugs than I've ever done, the shit they're giving him for his surgery. And I've done a lot of drugs. Uh, rumor has it, rumor has it, I don't know if you read my book, Quicksand, available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, ebook and Kindle. <laughs> but he's on a lot of shit. And he's got a lot of stress and duress going on. You might not be thinking so sharp in these moments. So I'm listening to what the doctor told me the night before. Call him at 12, I'll let you know how he is. If he's good to go, he's good to go. It might be the next day. Look, you leave me in here anymore, I'm going downhill fast. I'm I'm, I'm not going to be healthy in here. They are not taking care of me. So which one is it, man? Because now I'm angry because it's 723 and I went to bed at 1 something and it's been like that for weeks, so I'm sleep deprived. I'm not the kindest, most understanding son that I should be. I'm going loony. And I'm scared, and I've been in and out of that hospital. Me and my girl are. That's scary enough as it is. And then what's going on with you, man? That scares me. But I can't tell him this. I can't tell my father. Skip that right now. He's fucking yelling at me. But which one is it? Are the vital signs perfect? Are you good to go? Or are you going downhill fast? He's trying different avenues to get me to come take him. You got to call the doctor right now. It's 7.23 in the morning, man. I can't be calling these doctors. Now I start to say that to him, and he battles me naturally. So I start to say that to myself in my head. Doctor might have just been waking up. He told me to call him at noontime. He don't even come there till 10. He works a later shift. I can't call this man. I'm not trying to be that patient or the, 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 the fucking family member of the patient that's annoying you at all hours. He's just having a moment right now. And I understand, dude. If I was in his fucking position, I'd be having many moments. Serious shit. Life and death. All that shit. In a foreign country. amidst missed the pandemic. I get it. So I give him some lip service. All right. All right. I'll call him. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to get you out later. I'm not going to call the doctor. Hang up. I'm not calling the doctor right away, dude. (laughs) I might be a lot of things, but I'm not a fucking fool. I wait till a reasonable time. I call the doctor. I drive there. Me and my girl drive. We go to get him out. It's a fucking mission. We got to make these hospital payments now. Insurance ain't covering shit down here in this country. In the U.S. U.S.'s insurance would, but down here it's not. It ain't cheap. It might be another country, but it ain't cheap. So after about six hours, we get him out. It's like springing a man from jail. I've gotten friends out of jail easier than this was. And every time I went back to the car to make some phone calls and figure out why the bank wasn't authorizing this payment or this credit card was having an issue, or did I have to ask for some money from a family member to borrow to make the big number complete, every time I came back, it just was different math. A fucking sudden $1,500 increase on shit in a matter of hours? What the fuck? Whatever. I'm getting his ass out of there. Wheel him out. Wipe that motherfucking wheelchair down, though. Still diligent. We still diligent. I ain't slacking on on taking care of the health uh, uh, about my pops and this shit. What up, Simes? My boy Simon on there. Boston Fuchs. And Simes, I saw you on the uh, producing credits of the J Master J documentary on Netflix. Congratulations. Um, I'm not slacking on this motherfucking shit, though, so I wipe his shit down. We Get him out in that wheelchair. Get him in the car. full prison break style. We think it's all better now. Not that it's all good. We know it ain't all good. The doctor gave me the rundown, but at least he's at the hospital. We get back to the crib. My girl goes in first. She does the routine. She strips. She goes in, showers, comes back, throws the clothes and the laundry. Then we, me and him about to do it. And I'm angry. I'm tense. We have a, we have a, a couple father-son words in the car before we get out. And, you know, it's been tough. And I tell him, look, man, no, you don't understand what I've been doing. I've been taking care of you, a man with stage four liver cancer, in a foreign country during the pandemic. Right? I said this on the last episode. Nobody knows what I'm going through except for those going through it right now. Yeah, you might have had a father or mother with this kind of cancer. Were you in a foreign country? Was it in a pandemic? Who the fuck knows? But this shit was. And that's why I was like, man, I was like, you don't get it. You don't totally get it. And I know he been through crazy shit, crazier shit than me, but he didn't get it. And he looks at me. And this shit hit me, man. This shit hit me hard in the. What do they say? The left titty? That's where the heart is. I don't even think the heart's technically in the left titty. I think it's a little more lowered on here. I don't know. I ain't a fucking doctor. Clearly, he goes, man. You don't know. You don't know fear. He says you don't know what fear is until um, he tells me old dirty boston what up old dirty boston that's a great podcast from my hometown i like what you guys do i think it's just you one dude but i like what you do man so he looks at me and this is a my father's a g do a real g i mean he he lived through shit you guys watching movies and he looks at me he says you don't know what fear is until they put that little mask on you with the breathing tubes i don't even know what that shit's called <laughs> i'm definitely not a doctor he's like you don't know what fear is till you put that mask on and they lay you down and you don't know if you're going to wake up. And this is a man who survived gangster shit. And done gangster shit. And he's talking about being scared. And it, you know what? He's right. I don't know what that's like. And there was a moment in the hospital before I got him out where I saw this look in his eyes. Man, his eyes was wide. Not dilated pupils like he was motherfucking on a hallucinogen, but his eyes were wide. They were wide as hell. And I saw something in his face I'd never seen before in my whole life. I saw fear in his eyes. And this is a man who's defied death in so many different ways. He's been through so much shit. All the crazy shit he's gone through is more book-worthy than anything I wrote in my book. And he was actually scared for the first time I ever seen him. Because it's a different kind of fear, I think, when you got that shit inside you that's killing you. It's not not somebody with a gun. It's not the cops. It's not jail. It's not the courts. It ain't some drug deal going wrong. It ain't some crazy gangster shit. It ain't some wild adventure in a third-world country on some Indiana Jones shit. Some other shit you can't see. You don't know is there, but you know it's there. And man, that fear in his eyes. So now he's home for about two weeks taking care of him. Clockwork, dude. Around the fucking clock, me and my girl. Oh, man, goddamn, dude. The snake man learned how to be a motherfucking nurse, a doctor, a gardener, a, a, a maid, a chef, all that shit. I'm juggling all that shit. at all the wee hours, because if that motherfucker ain't sleeping... I ain't sleeping. <laughs> dude, I started going cuckoo. I was sleep deprived, sleeping 4 to 5 hours a night and you, every time my phone rang, it was like PTSD, dude. I got up, jumped, moved around. It fucking scared me cuz I thought it was him calling me from the downstairs bedroom or flashbacks him calling me from the hospital. So I'm I'm trained even right now, the phone rings. It's fucking nuts, dude. I feel like a non vet when they hear no firecrackers. It's fucked up. And so you know his diagnosis is rough. Stage four cancer to the liver. Treatment options down here are limited. He he feels his best to go back to the states. He's got a, an inn with a really good oncologist back in New England. He thinks okay, if I can rest up, get strong enough, to make that flight. And there ain't no direct flights anymore. Most of these flights. Are two stopovers and long layovers if that, dude. Those 10-hour layovers, those is brutal normally. Imagine if it's during a fucking pandemic and your immune system is compromised because you got cancer, a very bad kind. All the more crazy. And I can't fly with them because if I leave the country, I'm not a citizen. I don't got to do a residency. They won't let my ass back in. My girl's down here with my car and our shit and I got to drive us back because she don't know how to drive because she's a New Yorker from the Dominican Republic. She never driven her whole life. So, a caregiver friend of his with dual citizenship, she volunteers to fly with him. Fucking good woman. You're a good woman, Marilyn. You're a good woman. He's ready for the morning of the flight. But the morning of the flight was preceded by a fucking vicious day, a vicious night. I come back from the hospital. Now he's home. Me and my girl come back from the hospital. A day of fucking getting results and test results and paraffin blocks and plasma slides. He got to take to the motherfucking. Uh, states, to the hospital. I come back. It's hot. It's 86 degrees. It's steaming. He had to put his dog down, bro. And I'm sorry, yo. This is a downer-ass episode. Don't worry. I'm laughing right now a little bit. He had to put his dog down because he was 18 years old, which is old for a fucking dog. That's 18 times 7. I can't even do that kind of math. <laughs> and he didn't want him to be sick and in pain anymore. And he was going to the States, and he don't know when he's coming back to here. We don't know what's up. Thank you, Story Eller. I can't really read that, but I appreciate it. So I come back. The vets came over and put the dog down. And I've gotten tasked with the grave digging duties, man. I just found that out. I just get home. My man Frank made a little casket for the for Roadie. And now I'm digging a grave in this heat. And this is a soft-ass part of the front yard. I mean, that's where I did compost piles because we're trying to be environmentally sound and such. And it's that's where all these fruit trees and shit are planted soft ground. No, no. I want to bury it in the backyard. I find it's very determined, very stern, even in the midst of this. Thank you, Mount Coffee guy. Appreciate you. He's very stern. He wants some buried in this part of the backyard. In this corner where there's a cement wall. It was very hard to dig. Not only that, the fucking ground is rock hard, dog. I mean... You ain't getting through that shit. So I got to scrape the the pebbles away. I got to wet it with a hose, dig a couple inches. Cut the roots of all these plants. Wet it again. I I had to dig a grave, dog. I had to dig a grave. Barry Roadie, his dog, and it was exhausting. I threw my fucking back out. And the next morning's the flight. That's the big day. 4.19 a.m. I get the phone call. He's downstairs. I'm upstairs. I run down. Had a rough night sleeping, he says. I get it. He's nervous. He's got a look in his eyes again of that fear. I've never seen it in this man. And he's like, I don't think I can make it. I've never heard him utter words like, I don't think I can. He's always tried. This man never had a boss his whole life. He's done crazy shit, and he's never been scared about it, and never doubted he could do it, even if he failed. He didn't even doubt along the way. And he says, he looks in my eyes. He's like, I don't know if I can make it. But if he stays at his flight, I mean, if he stays in the country and doesn't fly back to the States, he's got limited treatment here. He's got a situation he knows he don't like, and he's scared of that, too. He's like, if I stay, I might die. All right? Hey, what up, Tamara? Thank you for checking in. If I stay, I might die. But I don't know if I can make it. I said, nah, man, you making it. I got you. You got you, bro. I don't even got you. You got you. You're tough, Polak. They say intellectual prowess of Polish people isn't, that grand. Although I would beg to differ that my father and his father before him, who was an immigrant, broke that stereotype. But I told him, skip one thing you got. supposed people are strong, if nothing else. You got this, bro. You got this. Get him up for a shower. I'm washing him in the shower, because that's what I have to do. And uh, giving him a little pep talk like a coach. just Hyping his ass. I'm getting you hype, motherfucker. Gotta get him strong. Gotta eat him a little bit. It's a scary morning. I drive him and his caretaker to the fucking airport. They don't even let you in the airport unless you're flying, which I appreciate these precautions, Mexico. Thank you. I can't even hug him goodbye in front of these these authorities because they all freak out. And I respect that, even though I've been picking his ass up off the floor and carrying him and been close to him the whole time. I look at him and I I don't know when I'm going to see him again, you know. If ever, if I'm ever going to see him again, but I will because I'm going to maintain positive frame of mind. But I tell him, hey, I love you, man. And he does say the good things to me at the end that I might not have heard for a few weeks, but I hear those before he boards that flight. And I'm just stressing I was like, fuck, man, they got to lay over in LAX. Then they fly into Logan in Boston. It's a long flight. I just need to hear that he got picked up from the person picking up at morning. I just need to hear that. So I'm up hours the next day. Long story short, Snake Man. Shut the fuck up, Snake Man. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Stop blabbing. <laughs> what up, Evil Earn? That's my dude. That's my brother, my brethren, Evil Earn. Such, such a I get that call, they picked him up, boom, Motherfucker landed in the States, yes, thank God, thank God, I can relax, I can breathe, whoo, smoking weed, my man Lord Touch, what up Touch Lord, it's my dog, It's my brethren also, I can smoke some weed now, relax a little bit, just celebrate a little bit, dude, you don't know what the month long battle's been, we don't know what the month long battle's been, he's in the States now, he's in the hospital right now one of the best hospitals in New England, getting fluid drained from around his liver, around his lungs. I got to get him healthy before he can do whatever the next treatments are to fight, keep fighting. He got a big fight fight. I can't fight his his mother, his sisters. Nobody can fight it for him. He got to fight it, and he's ready for it. (laughs) I got my grandmother on the phone with me today, telling me all this nice stuff. She talked to him, and she's just all proud of Jakey. She calls all the cousins... Zacky, Jakey, Nikki, Katie, Mikey—we're all like ey's or ie's. She's Jakey. I'm so proud of you. It's so funny you're talking to your father and you know your 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 aunts and shit. And she's like, "Oh God, my grandson's not a boy. He's like a man now." I gotta—I say, I hate to admit it, but you're a real boy, real boy now. You're a man. Touch Lord, It's not a fedora, dude. I'm in a fucking durable, hot tropical country. I wear hats like this for practicality. You're late to the game, brother. <laughs> it keeps it keeps me hot. I'm in the sun working all day. In in the fucking blistering sun and grandma grammy bachi she's telling me you know you're a little man jay you're a man now i was like Fuck, well i've been a man for a long time but thank you grandma but i'm a man you want to know i'm a man because yeah i got a gang of gray hairs in my beard it looks like a fella sleeping a pile of blow i get it but i don't have no gray hairs on my fucking head in my dome the last month here taking care of this man under these extremely complicated circumstances you know, amidst the pandemic in a third world developing country, it's tough. I got a gang of gray hairs on my head. So I say, Grandma, I goddamn better be a man now. <laughs> I this fucking gray hair in my head. I'm going to look like you in a week. But, you know, you got to laugh at those moments. It's one thing my family does well. That's where I get my sense of humor. Even in the midst of adverse tragedy and fucked up shit, we, we laugh. You know, we laugh. And, uh, you know, you got to. Gotta keep your sense of humor amiss about you in, in, in these times, man. You gotta you gotta fucking, you got to, dude. All of you. It's weird because some people are reveling in their ability to have a sense of humor. Some people lost it. There was a time I thought I lost it recently because I've been dealing with this shit day in and day out. I don't even, I, I post memes early, early in the morning when I was making coffee and breakfast while he was just still waking up. That's the only time I had. I haven't podcasted in over three weeks. It's the longest I think I've ever gone. Undamaged goods, and it's not because I wanted to. Every time I sat down, I had to jump back up to do some other shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at my motherfucking note cards. Let me look at my motherfucking note cards. Um, but you know, I, I'm grateful where he's at now, and there's still mad battles ahead. But, but I've been writing. When I was in the hospital, I didn't wait in the waiting rooms. Now I would go back to the motherfucking car. I would, I wouldn't even bring his ass in there until it was time. I don't want to be waiting around in these nasty ass. Motherfucker. Shit, last time I we went to the hospital, they had a big tent-like thing outside, a tent-like structure that you had to pass through these plastic doors and exit through these plastic doors before you'd even enter the hospital. So we're like, all right, whatever. They got some procedures. That's cool to play by the rules, regulations. I dig it. Let's stay safe. Me and my girl walks through the fucking plastic doors. Unsure with the liquid-like substances that falls from the sprayers above us, I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume with my knowledgeable brain... It's like a hand sanitizer-like substance. But it ain't on my motherfucking hands. It's spraying down on us. Your hair, your shirt, your jacket. It's probably everywhere but my fucking hands. And it, 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 Commend you on the ambition and in, 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 in the the sentiment. I just think it was a poorly executed plan because now I'm just covered with this wet, nasty shit, and it didn't seem to do a damn thing. But my point was I've been writing here and there. I've been writing on a follow-up to Quicksand. I kind of got two things in the works right now, and it's always, you know, uh, with my favorite musicians and even some famous directors, some of the best art, and writers too, right, the best art's been created from pain, from stress, from adverse situations, and as, as consumers of the art, we always, you know, we love getting that good art, but I would always think about like dudes like Marvin Gaye and shit, one of my favorite artists of all time, you know, So much beautiful art that I got to benefit from, the world got to benefit from. But the pain that man had to live with, you know, was it worth it? What kind of unfair exchange is that? We get all this great art. I'm sure he found joy in the creation of it for only the therapeutic reasons of, of creating it. But dude, it sucks, you know? And I wrote my first book, Quicksand, under a lot of pain. And then things, you know, chill out a little bit, but now I'm in this whole new thing. And yet it... It has me producing so much more writing. It sucks that these things have to happen, but that's the one of the upsides, if maybe the only upside. Um, but what I wanted to do with this episode is tell you a little story, right, and then go into something uh, that I generally would have on a Damage Goods podcast theme. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I like to think I'm known for quality taste in in the arts, I and mean, that's what this fucking podcast generally is conversations with people from the various arts and myself being an artist of various mediums. Quarantine, lockdown, isolation, shelter in place. Whatever you want to use, whatever nomenclature makes you feel comfortable, we'll go with it. I think getting caught up with words right now is silly. Bigger fish to fry. If you want to fry little fucking porgies and sardines all day, you're missing the fucking point. There's big-ass tuna and swordfish we need to fry. It's a metaphor, dude. I'm speaking figuratively, motherfuckers. We need to, you know, do what we all need to do as individuals, but also keep focusing on things. So I don't know what word I use. If it's the wrong one, I'm sorry. I mean no ill will. I got a lot on my mind if you haven't gathered that, and I'm sure a lot of you do too. I won't discount that. But anyway, while you're in these times, we, you know, some of us are going to do things to learn, to grow, to exercise our minds and our bodies, but sometimes we also need escapes entertainment and some of the same things you use for escaping entertainment you, you can derive knowledge from dude you can learn from a book and a movie it ain't just for fun so I got five books five flicks uh, that I, I these things that I like and recommend at all times but particularly right now they've been hitting home for me either because I just watched or read them or I find them applicable to the times and I like them I'm going to drink a little of this Martel Cognac real quick that's a big, that's a big glass I huh? do <laughs> It goes down nice, though. I need that. i got to cut the tension, man. I'm going to chase it with water because hydration is key. God, does that just sound annoying or what? Does it? Just Brayden. What up, Brayden? Ah, so let's go with the five books first. Now, I know this one I've said before. This is on my... Not all these books and movies are my top five favorites of all time. They're just five I'm recommending you right now. But this book right here is on my top five of all time. It's called Papillon. It's written by Henry Charrier, also nicknamed Papillon, because he had a butterfly tattoo on his chest. And it's the semi-autobiography of this dude who was a you know a, a Frenchman who was a, a, a thief, a burglar, framed for murder. And back in the day, in the '30s and '40s, and even before that, I guess '20s, '30s, and '40s, French sent all their prisoners of serious merit to their French penal colonies in French Guiana, island prisons. You weren't coming back, and if you were, it would be like ten years from now, and you might not make it. I think something like sixty percent of new prisoners died in the first year, anyway, just from the, 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 you know, diseases related to the climate, the exposure, the war. It just was a gnarly situation, gnarly prisons. He he made many escape attempts, I believe eight in total. The eighth being the, the final and successful one. Um, and, and the book is fucking. There was a classic movie which. Uh, I recommend in the movie section, I'll talk about the book is fucking, I hate saying that cliche shit. I mean, this book is even better. Oftentimes it is. Not always, but oftentimes it is. But in this case, man, the book, you can't only compress so much into a two hour time slot. And this, this book is just fucking, it's too deep and too dope to be put into it. It's a great one. It's been getting me through that. I'm in a similar kind of climate. I'm dealing with adverse situations that make me feel like I want to escape. I want to leave. I want to go home. I want to escape the situation. There's nothing on a parallel like what he experienced at all. I'm not trying to be a fucking idiot here and uh, put the two next to each other. I'm just saying, it's just helping me. It's a good book. It might help you get through shit. And It's an adventure like none other. Another book, Count of Monte Cristo. This is a fictional book, a novel. It's not non-fiction like the other one, but it's a fucking damn good book. Also about escape from a prison. There's a movie made about it too. Um, we'll talk about it in the movie section, but I think the book is good. It's very applicable to my situation right now and others just want to escape. You just want to get out of there. And it's a really about perseverance and persistence and an undying passion to better yourself. Just not giving up, dude. Pushing the fuck through. That's what both of those books have. And that's what we all could use right now and need. We're all dealing with this this situation, and then within that, you might have your own situations. I got people losing people. You know, my homegirl's grandmother just passed away this morning. My girl lost two cousins. I know some kids my age have passed. And not all just coronavirus related. There's still, the world don't stop spinning just because of this shit. There's people dying. Like, my father's situation has nothing to do with it. It's just convoluted and, and heightened because of this. So to, we, you know, you got to push through these things. We got to. And if if there's there's life, there's hope. You can oh, if if you're alive and breathing, you can hope to do better, and hopefully you can work at it. Another book is Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver. Now this isn't one of my top five favorites. I have my mother's copy from the motherfucking seventies. It's an OG copy. It's an OG copy. Ty Ferris, what up, man? Ty Ferris, an incredible. MC from Detroit, what up? And my man motherfucking Warren Lee, the legendary Warren Lee from New York, man. The dopest guitar tech ever. I love you, dog. I love you. Um, Soul on Ice, Eldridge Cleaver. He's a, you could say he was a political prisoner. You could just say he was a prisoner with political ties. Uh, very strong with the black rights movement in the 60s. And His first book, Soul on Ice, is poetry like none other, dude. It's poetry like none other. What up, Anya? How you doing? Uh, Soul on Ice's poetry is is so... I would imagine it's hard to emulate or to mimic. And art that is so hard to mimic, whether it's writing, music, film, whatever, it's always impressive. Because we see, even the greats of all these things, we see people that mimic these things and try to. And like I don't know if anyone could mimic what Eldridge Cleaver did in Soul on Ice. You gotta read it. Now, he wrote some other books after this. He kind of changed his outlook on life after this. And I'm not super into what he did after this, but this book is just fucking beautiful. And if you're a writer or a person who loves to read, highly suggest it. Now, changing tones. tunes. There's this book called Boston Mob. Not mobs of Boston, not Boston crime. It's called Boston Mob. It's about the rise and fall of the New England mafia. It's a little more entertaining, but I'm a fucking, I love organized crime. History of it, all of it. Out of all the Boston crime books, and I've read them all, dude, and I know all the intricate stories, this one is by far the best. I will go ahead and say it has very little, if nothing, to do with Whitey Bulger. The majority of it takes place before Whitey. It actually mentions him here and there before he, way before he ever came out of Alcatraz or went back to take over to Winter Hill and Howie Winter's absence, which is an interesting thing. But this is all really related to the 50s and early 60s, leading up to the Irish Mob Wars. Between the McLaughlin brothers and their crew of Charlestown mob. Shout out to Charlestown, my mother's family's uh, stomping grounds. And um, the Winter Hill Gang from uh, Somerville. But also how Raymond Patriarca and the New England crime family, the Patriarca family, which ran New England, which ran Boston, it was all ran out of Providence. How they played into it and all these other mobsters that were, even Italians but not affiliated with LCN, La Cosa Nostra, like Cadillac Frank Slemme and Stevie, Rifleman Fleming, Vincent DeBear Flemmy, all these other mobsters, a lot of other Irish gangsters, all kinds of different mobster shit. This is the best book. The stories are fucking nuts. Real Ruda, what up? Ty Ferris, by the way, you're putting out great work, man. I Love it. This Boston Mob book is the, it's not even one of the best Boston Mob books, it's one of the best gangster books ever, dude. These stories are nuts. The amount of crazy wild cowboy shit that was going down in the 50s and 60s in New England was crazy. So many people got shot at and hit mad times and lived. I mean, driving around, wounded all the way and getting attempts on their life. Numerous ones after another, after another. So many. I mean, dude, this, this book would be a, you couldn't put it into a movie. It'd have to be like a multi-season series, but it's phenomenal. So if you love true crime, Boston Mob, go get it. Last book I'm going to say right now, Autobiography of Malcolm X. Now, it's not in my top five, uh, but there is a Malcolm X book in my top five, which is called The Last Year of Malcolm X's Life, which is an interesting thing that nobody uh, nobody knows about. What's worse, NY or Boston? I would say, I, you know, it's different. In New York, in the 60s and 50s, the crime shit was crazy. Boston was a very smaller city, fraction of the population in New York, so that made it a little crazier, and it's a smaller space, Warren. But New York shit was crazy at the time, too. But the stories going on, this is the first time in history witness protection program got invented because of this dude, Joe the Animal Barboza, this Portuguese mobster from New Bedford who had a crazy crime spree and was intermingled with all this shit. And they still involved themselves with New York and shit, too. It's a good parallel. I'd say it's even. But the autobiography of Malcolm X is a phenomenal story of perseverance, persistence, and growth. Goes in line with those other books. Now... I'm going to take another swig of this cognac in the middle of the heat. I'm drinking cognac neat in the heat. Uh, now on the movies. Remember, these ain't all timers, dude. These are just Snake Man recommendations right now. Movies I think are good right now that I've enjoyed. I'm hitting my note card on the table um, that I enjoyed. I think it might help get you through some shit. Beach Bum. Harmony Kareem. He wrote Kids. kids is a fucking classic john martin john martin what up bro he he directed spring breakers gummo but beach Bum, dude phenomenal now it's about a writer so i can sympathize and empathize and, and relate it's also about perseverance of, of an artistic accomplishment later in the career after previous ones to kind of refine that inspiration that 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 spark and to to do something great again later after adversities. But it's funny. It's a lighter movie than any of those movies. It's not, I mean, it's dark. It's Harmony Crane, but it it, it is not nearly as dark as the other movies he's done. Uh, And, dude, Matthew McConaughey is great. I mean, you got Snoop Dogg. You got Martin Lawrence, dude. You got Shia LaBeouf. No, it's not Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Zach Efron. Sorry. (laughs) They probably don't look nothing like. Um,. Was that before or after kids? Oh, after kids. I don't have any kids. I don't know Warren what we're talking about. Um uh kid uh, uh I don't know. Um but uh anyway, yeah, dude. This movie's great. It's fucking funny. Uh Isla Fisher's in it. Um Bobby O oh, baby, Bobby O oh, Baby, what up? Uh it's a great movie, dude. Go watch it. Jimmy Buffett's in it. Not that I like Jimmy Buffett or his music, but it's applicable to the shit. Honey Boy. Now, that's a movie that has child buff in it. It's, it's loosely based on his life. Uh, and it is fucking... Oh, Beach Bum out came after... Oh, oh, I see. My bad, Warren. Beach Bum is brand new, dude. Beach Bum is like two years old. You can get it on iTunes. It's probably on some of those streaming services. What up, CP? What up, CP. Um, yeah, Beach Bum is pretty new, dude. It's fucking phenomenal. So good, dude. So fun. I've watched it like three times. Any movie I re watch within a year span means it's gotta have some qualities to it that I love. Uh, you know, say, hey, what up, Nene? How you doing, Nene? Um but honey boy, yeah, that's a good one. That one hit home. Especially doing the, dealing with the shit with me and my pops. It's a father son thing. About a father that's very hard on his son to to do well it's a little dysfunctional of a relationship and that connected with me. And it was artistically really well done, dude. You know what I'm saying? I will I will save this, NeNe. I'll save it. First time producer, I don't think he directed it, Chat LaBeouf, but he produced it, he wrote it. It's well done, man. You could have done a movie like that in such a cheap, corny version of it in a, in a format that's predictable and shitty that I would have made fun of. And he killed it. And the, the kid, Chris Hedges, who's a young actor, fucking great in that shit. Really good movie. And Shia LaBeouf plays the dad, dude. And I always thought, that'd be so cool to play somebody else in your family that you lived through your perspective, but you get to play him. Phenomenal movie. And it's not as sad as you think. Then, all right, this is the movie version of the book Papillon I recommended earlier. There's a remake with the guy from motherfucking The Queen movie and the guy from the fucking motorcycle show, Sons of Anarchy. It's not a bad remake, but fuck it, dude. Go do yourself a good ting. And watch the OG with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman from the '70s. It's fucking beautiful. It has visual depth. Ain't no fucking green screens. They're in fucking tropical places. It is a phenomenal movie. I just rewatched it for like the unteenth time. The Count of Monte Cristo movie. I'm recommending. I, I'm connecting it to the book I recommended earlier. Phenomenal movie. Uh, the guy from the Passion of the Christ movie, which I never saw, and I think he's kind of. I think he's probably blackballed from a lot of. Um, what's his name? God, I forget his name. John something, I don't know. He's been kind of like, ever since he did Passion of the Christ, I don't think motherfuckers is casting his ass. But he was great in this as the lead role. And then Guy Pearce, Australian actor, he's the bad guy. He's the antagonist. and He is a good bad guy. Great movie. My only snake man issue is a casting issue. Casting is a is, is, is a really underrated skill in films. Cause you could have if you gotta adapting this from a, a a book like this or a script or whatever, you gotta you gotta envision who's really fit to play this role. And not only is someone who looks like whatever, but can they capture it? They got my man Luis Guzman, great actor, great actor. All right, Craig Wilson, what up, Craig Wilson? Vida Nivelle, Jim, what up? Jim Caseville, that's the guy's name to play Passion to Christ. Thank you, dog. I'm drinking cognac in the middle of the heat in the daytime. What do you expect? Uh better business. What up, better business? Um, Luis Guzman. He's in he's the guy. He's in motherfucking boogie nights. He's in motherfucking uh Carlitos Way. You know? His motherfucking role in this was uh shouldn't have been casted. He's talking like he's from uptown in New York. But this is like the 1700s in France. It just didn't work out. But it's still a fucking great movie, dog. Yo, Warren, peace, brother. I love you, dog. Be well. I hope your daughter's well. And the last movie I'm going to recommend is a new movie that I thought was phenomenal. Beautiful. Visually, so stunning. It sucked me in in the first five minutes. I knew I was going to sit through the whole thing glued to the screen. It's called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I remember when the trailer came out, before I even watched it, I kind of already knew from the title what it meant. If you've ever been to the Bay Area, and I, don't, I, I guess not even the Bay Area, San Francisco. Not Oakland, not Vallejo, not Daly City, not any of these Marin, none of the, none of the towns around. Uh, M. Zane guys, what up M. Zane guys? Um, you know, San Francisco's gentrification has been a fierce, fierce wave. Maybe more fierce than most cities over a while and black people in San Francisco have been getting phased out for a long time to other outer regions of the Bay right and we see that we see that in a lot of motherfucking cities but in Frisco has been going on for a while and I used to go to San Francisco a lot I don't really care much for the city no more so I don't I'm still there because of work touring shit but I'm, 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 I was there a lot in the late 90s the early 2000s a lot so I wanted to see this movie, and it is beautiful. And it's about what what I I just said what it was about, what my thought was, my initial feelings was. That's what it's about. But why I, I think it ties into my recommendation right now. It has this post apocalyptic vibe to it. Now it's not post apocalyptic; it's current times in San Francisco. But what I mean is maybe to the black experience. And what do you look? You got just Mick Polak talking about the black experience in San Francisco. But I'm just talking about it from the knowledge and friends of got that lived through this in in that city and the experiences I've had, the black experience in San Francisco proper is kind of post-apocalyptic. It doesn't exist much anymore. And if it does, it's small amounts of people clinging to what they knew as their life, their home. They've been pushed out. Gentrification. Skyrocketing rents. The most expensive rents in the United States of America. Fucking Silicon Valley. And, And it pushes out the arts. It changes so many things about the city that was great. And, and and this guy in the movie, the protagonist, is he is what it says. You know, he's not the last, but there's other people. But he's in a—in he's in the midst of a conundrum of, of life, a crisis of, of identity. And it's a beautiful movie visually and in, and in the writing and all this shit. I fucking love it. It's a great flick. Highly recommend it. I thought it was skipped over by all the award people. But the award things suck anyway, dude. Fuck them. Hollywood circle jerks. Great art is great art. Phenomenal movie, and it's streaming on uh, Amazon Prime, so you can watch that shit. You can watch that shit now. Where I I can't watch Amazon Prime. You can only watch Amazon Originals, which tend to suck, except for some of these movies. Honey Boy and Last Black Man in San Francisco, I believe, were considered Amazon Originals, so you can stream them. I'm stuck with just Netflix and DVDs. Ain't no HBO Go overseas. Uh... And you no know, Amazon uh, non-Prime shit or non-originals overseas and all that other sh- all the other streaming services. But fuck them, dude. I don't have time anyway. I'm busy. My hands is full. But I got the podcast with you, motherfuckers today. That shit was dope. This shit was great. Hopefully, I'm gonna save this video. I had a blast doing it. I'm trying to deliver the Damage Goods podcast episode back to the weekly schedule that it was on. Um. As things in my situation start to, you know, my pops is back in the States, I might be end up back there soon, too. I might end up on the East Coast. I might end up in the West Coast. I don't know. I can't even predict tomorrow, dude. I don't even take it day to day. I used to make this joke lately, like, treat it like AA one day at a time. Nah, dog. For the snake man lately, it's one half day at a time, a couple hours at a time, because I'm gonna have phone rings. I don't know who it's going to be and what the news is. And every day there's been new battles. There's shit I don't share on the podcast. There's a lot more shit to this. I'm pretty open book about everything. But there's some things I, because it ain't always about me. I'm not open book about, you know what I'm saying? And and, and I can't be open book about some shit that's up in the air. But shit's rough right now. It's tough on my family. It's tough on me. But I'm blessed to be able to, to do things like this. To write when I can. Hopefully I'll be having another book done soon. In the meantime, go buy Quicksand, my book. It's fucking dope. You can get it on Kindle and ebook if you want to read it right in there digitally. Or you get it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. They'll deliver that shit to your motherfucking door. It's funny. It's dark comedy. It'll soothe your soul, make you laugh, and also give you some compassion in these times. I got more work I'm doing, so I, I'm blessed to be doing the art. My girlfriend's solid as a fucking rock. I'm lucky. I'm glad my father's pulling... His weight as much as he can through through this health crisis and all the doctors and people, the nurses that help him and everybody and all the fans and friends and supporters and listeners, whatever the motherfuckers are chiming on the live IG joint right now because the snake man hates IG live. I rarely do it. I never watch anybody else's. I don't like doing it myself. But I'm doing it in conjunction with a podcast because fuck it. I'm drinking cognac in the middle of the heat in the daytime. I got to go do some laborious chores around the house, watering, moving things eat something. I gotta eat something. But it's been a fucking pleasure, dude. Watch these movies. Read these books. You will enjoy them. As I will. And if you got recommendations, hit me up, dude. You know I like to share, dude. Equality, baby. Alright, y'all. This episode of the Damaged Goods Podcast was brought to you by Elite Botanicals. Elite Botanicals is originally the CBD division of Elite Cannabis. If you guys have heard me talk about them, you know this is my favorite CBD product out there. The only one that truly works. I swear by it, that's why I'm endorsing them, not for any other reason. And now they're back with their new line for your little pets, Whole Pet CBD. They are one of the first companies farming high CBD cannabis under industrial hemp rigs. They've been working with CBD since 2013 with one of the first licensees in Colorado. Also, they've been working with Colorado State University since 2016 on their canine research study with CBD, so they know what they're doing. Their focus is providing farm-to-table product that uses the best ingredients possible, ultra-refined, distilled, full-spectrum CBD oil at high potency for reasonable pricing. That's the problem. Most of these other guys are overpriced for their non-working stuff. This allows for effective dosing in a 30-day plus supply per unit. For the pets, they've got drops that go on their food or in their mouth. They got chicken and salmon flavored ones. They've got soft gel capsules. They got a gravy powder. And you just sprinkle that over their food or put a little couple of water in there. And it makes a nice little gravy mix chocked full of CBD, glucosamine, and omegas for their joints. They've got nose and toes balm for cracked noses and paws. And they got some all-natural treats on the way. All this is available at wholepetcbd.com. Elite Cannabis, Elite Botanicals, and now Whole Pet CBD, all from Elite. Go check it out.